episode is sponsored by Trails Clothing. Head on over to trailsclothing.com and use my promo code HARMONY for 15% off your purchase. Trails Clothing is inspired by music and art, a little bit of southern style with that rock and roll flair. Head on over to trailsclothing.com and check out all they have to offer. Again, that is trailsclothing.com and use my promo code HARMONY for 15% off your purchase. When a New Jersey family moved into a new home, they began receiving disturbing letters from someone who called themselves the Watcher. Now, after years of torment, that family is finally speaking out. Hi, friends. What's up? And welcome to this episode of What the Actual F. If this is your first time tuning in, hi there. My name's Harmony, and I'm your host. For those of you who come here every week to listen to the crazy stories I have for you, I do want to apologize that I did not make an episode last week. I've got a lot of stuff going on in my private life and it's been really hectic and kind of busy. I've been in the middle of moving, my son is currently switching schools, and I have had a lung infection for roughly about three months. I did finally get to the doctors and got medication for my lungs and that's getting better. However, because of that, my voice is going to be a little hoarse and I'm probably going to cough minorly here and there. I will do my best to edit out any unpleasant coughing sounds and sniffles. So with all that said, I have an amazing case for you guys. Now I actually did this case a while ago, but I didn't do it justice. Today I want to tell you about the Watcher House. For those of you who are interested in true crime and all things spooky and creepy, and shivers down your spine then you've come to the right place because this one's a bit crazy a little creepy and really just downright fucking weird after hearing this case you may think twice about buying a new house i mean if the market hasn't scared you away from buying a house with its crazy inflation then the fact that your brand new dream home could actually be a house of nightmares just may Ladies and gentlemen, and all that's in between, this is the case of the Watcher House. Just three days after buying the nearly $1.4 million home in 2014, Derek and Maria Broadus say they began receiving threatening letters from someone who identified themselves as the Watcher. We are going to go back to June of 2014 for this one. One night in June, Derek Broadus had just finished an evening of painting his brand new home in Westfield, New Jersey. Derek and his wife Maria had just closed on this beautiful six-bedroom house at 657 Boulevard three days earlier. The couple decided before they moved in officially, they would take some time and renovate a little bit, just doing some painting and some minor fixer-uppers here and there. The house really didn't need a lot as it was over a million dollars, so it was pretty turnkey. However, they wanted to put their own spin on the house as well. So while Derek was there and finished his painting, he decided he should go check the mail. After all, they officially own the home, so why not? They probably had mail coming to them. 
at least a bill or two. So when Derek went to the mailbox, he in fact did have mail. He found a few bills and this odd white card-shaped envelope. It was addressed in thick, clunky handwriting to the new owner. As soon as he opened it, he saw a typed-up letter which began very warmly. Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. And this is somewhat where our story begins. For the Broadduses, buying 657 Boulevard had fulfilled a dream of theirs. Maria was raised in Westfield and the house was a few blocks from her childhood home. So this was wonderful. Derek grew up in a working class in Maine and moved his way up the ladder at an insurance company in Manhattan to become a senior vice president with a salary large enough to afford this $1.3 million home. <laughs> if that doesn't make you feel poor, I don't know what will. Cause I do, I do. Buying this home was a celebration. Derek had achieved so much in his life and he had just celebrated his 40th birthday before buying the home. This home was a dream come true for Maria, Derek, and their children. Their three kids were already trying to figure out which fireplace Santa Claus would use on Christmas Eve because there were multiple. But as Derek kept reading the letter from this anonymous sender, it took a turn. Quote, how did you end up here? The writer asked. The writer continued with, did 657 Boulevard call to you with its force within? The letter would go on. 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now and as it approaches its 110th birthday. I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s and my father watched it in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. The letter would go on to identify the Broaddus' Honda minivan, as well as the workers who had been renovating the house. Quote, I see already that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it's supposed to be. This person continued with tisk tisk tisk, bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. Now, earlier in the week, Derek and Maria had gone to the house and chatted with their neighbors with their children, who were 5, 8, and 10, and they played around in the backyard with several other kids from the neighborhood. The person who was responsible for writing the letter must have seen this, because in the letter they stated, You have children. I have seen them. So far, I think that there are three that I have counted. This anonymous writer would go on to ask, more on the way? The writer would continue with this. Do you need to fill the house with the young blood that I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for your growing family? Or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. Now this envelope and letter had no return address. Who am I? The person would write. There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am in one. Look at all the windows that you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. This letter would conclude with a suggestion that maybe this letter would not be the last. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. This was followed by a signature typed in cursive font. 
What did this signature read? Simply, The Watcher. Now, as Derek's standing there reading this, it's actually fairly late at night, roughly around 10 o'clock. He was a little bit disturbed and immediately start racing around the house, turning off all of the lights so that nobody could see inside. He then called the Westfield Police Department. An officer came to the house, read the letter, and said, what the fuck is this? He immediately asked Derek if he had any enemies and recommended moving a piece of construction equipment from the back porch in case the watcher tried to toss it through the window. So the police were actually kind of worried about this letter and who was behind it. They didn't want anything happening to the family. And although he didn't really make any threats in his letter, also, I don't know why I'm saying he, the person has not been identified. They just wanted to play it safe. Derek rushed back to his wife and kids who were living at their old house elsewhere in Westfield. That night, Derek and Maria wrote an email to John and Andrea Woods. This was the previous couple that had sold them the house at 657 Boulevard. They wanted to ask if they had any idea who this watcher might be, or maybe if he or she had written them, because it was quoted in the letter, I asked the Woods to bring me young blood, and it looks like they listened. The next morning, Andrea Woods replied. A few days before moving out, the Woodses had also received a letter from the Watcher. Andrea stated that the note had been odd. She said that it made similar mention of the Watcher's family observing the house over time. But Andrea said that she and her husband had never received anything like it in their 23 years of living in the house, and that they ended up throwing away their letter because they didn't give much thought to it. That very same day, the Woodses went with Maria to the police station where Detective Leonardo Lugo told her not to tell anyone about the letters, including her new neighbors, most of whom she had never met, and all of whom were now suspects. Anonymous writer who claimed to keep a close eye on the house, referring to the couple's three small children as young blood in a series of menacing messages. So naturally, at this point, the Broadduses spent the coming weeks on extremely high alert. Derek canceled a work trip, and whenever Maria took the kids to their new house, she would yell their names if they wandered into the corner of the yard. She didn't want them out of her sight. If you ask me, I don't think I would have gone to the house with my kids, just me. I would have waited for somebody to be there with me. This brings us to an incident that really alarmed Derek. He was giving a tour of the recent renovations that he had done to a couple on the block, and he froze when the wife said, it'll be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood. So naturally, Derek was suspicious. The Broaddus' general contractor arrived one morning to find a heavy sign that he had hammered into the front yard had been ripped out overnight, meaning somebody did it. This wasn't wind. By the way, if you guys hear any weird snorting sounds, that is just the French Bulldog that is sitting here being my co-host today. Here you go. He says hi. His name is Binks. There you go. Everybody, meet Binks. Two weeks after this ominous letter arrived, Maria stopped by the house to look at some paint samples and check the mail. She immediately recognized thick black lettering on a card-shaped envelope and called the police. Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard, the watcher wrote. The workers have been busy and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time, they will. This time, the watcher addressed Derek and Maria directly. 
misspelling their names as Mr. and Mrs. Broadus, B-R-A-D-D-U-S. Their name was actually spelled B-R-O-A-D-D-U-S. But hey, the watcher tried. He sounded it out, he did his best. It was just still incorrect. Had the watcher been close enough to hear one of the Broadus' contractors addressing the couple, the watcher boasted of having learned a lot about the family. They did this in the following weeks, especially all about their children. The letter identified the Broadus' three kids by birth order, by their nicknames, the ones Maria had been yelling, quote, I am pleased to know your names now and the name of the young blood that you have brought to me. It went on, you certainly say their names often. The letter asked about one child in particular, whom the writer said was using an easel outside on the enclosed porch. Is she the artist in the family? The letter would continue. 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be. I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic? Or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the Watcher, and I have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now, you are too, Broadus family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. I don't know about you, but I would never want to receive letters like that at my house. A home is where you're supposed to feel safe, secure. You're in your own comfort world and now somebody's watching every move and talking about your children. I know a lot of you would be sitting outside with the gun just waiting, but most of us would be hiding inside, covering all of the windows and never leaving, or just putting the house back up on the market and taking a loss. But who really wants to take a million dollar loss? Not me. I don't even have a million dollars, so like I couldn't. At this point, Derek and Maria stopped bringing their kids to the house. At this point, they weren't even sure if they were going to move in anymore. Several weeks later, a third letter arrived. Where have you gone to? The watcher continued. 657 Boulevard is missing you. So what were the Broadduses to do? The first time I read the letters, uh, I got goosebumps. I've never seen anything like it uh, outside of, of kind of a horror movie or, or a Stephen King novel. Now, if you ask many Westfield residents, they will compare their town to Mayberry. And for those of you who have no idea what Mayberry is, it is the idyllic setting for the Andy Griffith Show. It was the kind of place where a new neighbor might greet you with a welcoming note, but not the kind of notes that the Broadduses were dealing with. Westfield is about 45 minutes from New York and a bit too slow for singles. 
meaning that the town's roughly 30,000 residents are largely made up of well-to-do families. Westfield really hadn't dealt with a lot of bad. Westfield was considered to be the 18th wealthiest town in New Jersey. And in 2014, when the watcher struck, the website Neighborhood Scout named it the country's 30th safest town. So crime didn't really happen there. The most pressing issue that locals complained of at the time was the fact that Trader Joe's was temporarily closed due to a roof collapse. They also claimed that the police were doing unconstitutional policing at the time. This was only because the police were being aggressive over parking enforcement, basically going after people for parking wherever the fuck they wanted even though they weren't supposed to. And this angered the residents, because according to them, they can do what they want. So one activity all of the locals recognized as treacherous is trying to buy a house. According to an anonymous resident, quote, there's a lot of money and a lot of ego. This anonymous person when discussing Westfield real estate even went on to say, I've seen bidding wars where friends lost 300 plus thousand dollars. The Broaddus' house was on the boulevard, a wide tree-lined street with some of the most desirable homes in town. As the watcher had noted, quote, the boulevard used to be the street to live on. You've made it if you live on the boulevard. The house was built in 1905 and perhaps was the grandest home on the block. When the Woods put the house on the market, they received multiple offers above their asking price. This led the Broadduses to initially suspect that the watcher might be someone upset over losing out on the home. But the Woodses said that one interested buyer had backed out after a bad medical diagnosis, while another had already found a different home. In an email to the Broadduses, Andrea Woods proposed another theory. Would the mention of the contractor trucks Andrea Children suggest that it was someone in the neighborhood? You know, someone who was basically always around with a clear view of the house. The letters did indicate proximity. They had been processed in Kearney to the U.S. Postal State Distribution Center in northern New Jersey. The first letter was postmarked on June 4th, before the sale was even public. In fact, the Woodses had never even put up a for sale sign in the yard. The day after the sale closed, the contractors officially arrived at the house. The renovations were mostly just interior, and people who live nearby say they didn't even notice any unusual commotion, even with the jackhammering going on in the basement. Because again, you can't hear anything in that basement, at least according to the watcher. When Derek and Maria walked Detective Lugo around the house, they showed him that the easel on the porch was hidden from the street. This was done so by some bushes and vegetation, making it very difficult to see unless someone was behind the house or right next to it. A few days after the first letter, Maria and Derek went to a barbecue across the street, welcoming them and another new homeowner to the block. The Broadduses hadn't told anybody about the Watcher, as the police had instructed them to please not do so. And they found themselves scanning the party for clues while keeping tabs on their kids, who of course were being kids and running around everywhere. According to Maria, while they were at this little get-together, they kept screaming for their kids to stay near them. Quote, People must have thought we were crazy. They didn't want their kids to go play with anyone, to leave their sides, nothing. They were really worried that the watcher was right there in their presence. At one point, Derek was chatting with a neighbor by the name of John Schmidt. He lived two doors down from them. This is when John Schmidt told Derek about the Langfords. 
They had lived between the two houses. Peggy Langford was in her 90s, and several of her adult children, all in their 60s, still lived with her. Okay, eventually it's time to break the cord. 60 years old and you're still living with your mama? This family was a bit odd, according to John, but mostly harmless. He said one of the younger Langfords was Michael. He didn't work and he had a beard kind of like Ernest Hemingway's and was kind of a quote, Boo Radley character. At this point, Derek thought the case was solved. The Langford house was right next to the easel on the porch. The family had lived there since the 1960s. Richard Langford, the family patriarch, had died 12 years earlier and the current watcher claimed that he had been on the job for the better part of two decades, meaning maybe it could be them. When the Broadduses told Lugo about the family, he said he already knew, and that a week after the letter arrived, he brought Michael Langford into the police headquarters for an interview. Michael denied knowing anything about the letters, but the Broadduses say that Lugo told them that, quote, the narrative of what he said matched things mentioned in the letters. Quote, this isn't CSI Westfield. When the wife is dead, it's the husband. Basically meaning, if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. So it looked like maybe it was Michael Langford all along. But there wasn't much hard evidence. And after a few weeks, the police chief told the Broadduses that short of an admission, there wasn't much the police department could do anymore. After the second letter, Derek told the cops that if they didn't take care of the situation, that they would have a different kind of case on their hands. Basically, if they didn't do something, he would find the person and hurt them. One of the letters the Broadduses say the watcher wrote, my grandfather watched the house in the 1920s and my father watched in the 1960s. It is now my time. Why are you here? I will find out. So at this point, the Broadduses are pretty frustrated and they decided to start their very own investigation. Derek became especially obsessed. He set up webcams in 657 Boulevard and spent nights sitting in the dark watching the screens, just waiting to see if anybody was watching his house. Derek had a map even displaying when each of his neighbors had moved in. The Langfords were the only ones there since the 60s. He even had lines showing how close you'd have to be to the house to be in quote earshot to hear the names of the children being called. Only a few houses fit the criteria of being in eyesight and being able to hear in the yard. The Broadduses also turned to several experts. They employed a private investigator who staked out the neighborhood and ran background checks on the Langfords. However, they didn't find anything noteworthy. Derek then reached out to a former FBI agent who served as the inspiration for Clarice Starling. That's right, from Silence of the Lambs. They also hired Robert Lenhan, another former FBI agent. He came in in order to conduct a threat assessment. Robert recognized several old-fashioned ties in the letters that pointed to an older writer. The envelope was addressed to M.M. Broadus, remember, spelled incorrectly. The sentences in the letters were double-spaced. According to Robert, it seemed as though the person who wrote these letters was a vivacious reader. There was a surprising lack of profanity given what seemed to be a high level of anger from the watcher, which Robert thought meant a quote, less macho writer. In fact, Robert also thought that maybe this watcher had actually seen the movie The Watcher, which stars Keanu Reeves as a serial killer. 
and he goes on to stalk the detective that is trying to catch him. This man's whole life is about killing. No. He'll watch her for weeks. Learn her routine when she comes home, when she goes to sleep. In the morning, before the sun comes up, he can walk right up next door. You blame yourself for the killings. Oh no, I blame the person who did them. No, I did it for you. So that was just a little piece of the trailer of The Watcher that stars Keanu Reeves. If you've never seen it, I do highly recommend the movie. Plus, it's Keanu Reeves. The man is a fucking gem. Now, Robert didn't think that The Watcher was likely to act on his threats, but the letters had enough typos and errors to imply a certain eroticism. The first letter was actually dated Tuesday, June 4th. However, that day was actually on a Wednesday. They were also seething in anger. This was taken to be directly at the wealthy in particular. The Watcher was upset by new money moving into town. Quote, are you one of those Hoboken transplants who are ruining Westfield? I'm gonna read you another excerpt from one of the letters. The house is crying from all of the pain it is going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be in it in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard, when I ran from room to room, imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old, and so did my father. But he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when young blood will be mine again. At this point, Robert Lenahan recommended looking into former housekeepers or their descendants. Maybe somebody was still holding on to something in their past when it came to this house, therefore not wanting anybody else to inhabit it. Perhaps the watcher was jealous that the Bratises had bought a home that the writer could not afford. But the focus remained on the Langfords. So with the focus remaining on the Langfords and in cooperation with Westfield Police, the Broadduses sent a letter to the Langfords. In this letter, they announced their plans to tear down the house, hoping it would prompt a response. But, spoiler alert, nothing happened. Detective Lugo brought Michael Langford in for a second interview, but got nowhere. And Michael's sister Abby accused the police of harassing their family. Eventually, the Broadduses hired Lee Levitt. This was a lawyer who met with several members of the Langford family, as well as their attorney, to show them the letters, along with photos explaining how their home was one of the few vantage points from which the easel could be seen. You guys remember the easel the little girl was painting at? Yeah. The meeting did end up growing very tense. The Langfords insisted that Michael was innocent and had done no such thing. Now, there were reasons to consider other suspects. For one thing, the police spoke to Michael before the second letter was even sent, which would make sending two more especially reckless. Then, there were the rest of the neighborhood to consider as well. The private investigator found two child sex offenders within blocks of the house. Bill Woodward, the Broaddus' house painter, had also noticed something strange. The couple that lived behind 657 Boulevard kept a pair of lawn chairs strangely close to the Broaddus' property. Quote, one day I was looking out the window and I saw this older guy sitting in one of the chairs. He wasn't facing his house, he was facing the Broaddus's. That's a little suspicious. 
that's a little weird. But like also, you can look wherever you want. There's no law against it. It's just creepy. Now by the end of 2014, the investigation had completely stalled. The watcher had left no digital trail, no fingerprints, and no way to place someone at the scene of a crime. They couldn't find out who was putting these letters in the mailbox. The letters could be read closely for possible clues, and the letters could also be dismissed as nonsensical ramblings of a sociopath. In December, the Westfield police told the Broadduses they had run out of options. At this point, Derek went to his priest, showed the letters to him, and the priest agreed to bless the house. I'm not sure what a blessing would do when it comes to a real-life person sending mail, but, you know, to each his own. The Watcher seemingly taunting the Broadduses, who tell New York Magazine they lived in fear and became obsessed with trying to figure out who wrote the letters. Derek Broaddus says, I was a depressed wreck. They hired a number of experts. They hired a former FBI agent to try to create a profile. They hired a private investigator uh, to kind of look around the neighborhood. The family ultimately moved in with Maria Broaddus's parents before deciding to put 657 Boulevard back on the market. The house never sold, becoming a local urban legend. Now, the renovations that were happening at 657 Boulevard included a new alarm system, and it was finished within a few months. But the idea of moving in filled the Broadduses with overwhelming anxiety and fear. Could they let their kids play outside or have friends over? Would they get a new letter every single week? Derek looked into getting trained German shepherds and posted a job on a website for military veterans. Quote, all you have to do is work out in the backyard every day. But the Broadduses hadn't bought 657 to feel bonkered into a fortress of their own. Derek had been responding to the occasional alarms at the house, sometimes in the middle of the night. He would even bring a knife with him just in case. The Broadduses went from being so excited to move into this new home to being petrified to ever set foot on the property again. It also didn't help that the watcher seemed to be getting more and more unhinged. 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend, and now it is my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and wait for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and let it alone. The Broadduses had already sold their old home and they didn't want to move into their new one. So they ended up moving in with Maria's parents while continuing to pay the mortgage and property taxes on 657 Boulevard. Now they only told a handful of friends about the letters. And when others would ask, why aren't they moving into their new home? They would simply say legal issues. Derek and Maria also began fighting constantly. This whole watcher thing and not being able to move into this $1.3 million home that their money was going into was really taking a toll on their marriage. They were fighting continuously and both of them had to start taking medication just in order to fall asleep. The stress and depression that they were dealing with was immeasurable. Maria decided to see a therapist after a routine doctor's visit that began with the question, how are you? 
This caused her to burst into tears. Once she got to a therapist, they told her that she was suffering from post-traumatic stress and that it wouldn't go away unless they got rid of the house. This leads us to six months later. Just six months after the letters began arriving, Broadduses decided to sell the house at 657 Boulevard. They initially listed it for more than they paid for. This was in order to hopefully get something back for the renovations that they had been doing. However, they do live in a suburban neighborhood, and nobody gossips more than suburban people. The rumors had already began to swirl around, all about why the house was sitting empty. In fact, one broker sent an email to the Broadduses stating their client loved it, but that there are so many unsubstantiated rumors flying around, ranging from sexual predator to stalker of the house, and that this client wanted to know more. The Broadduses wrote back sending a partial disclosure. They would mention the letters to only interested buyers and they told Caldwell Banker, their realtor, that they intended to show the full letters to anyone who offer was accepted. Several preliminary bids came in well below the asking price, but the Broadduses weren't ready to take such a financial hit, and they only wanted to share the letters with people who were likely to buy, so not just anyone who showed interest. However, no one got that far. Even after they lowered the price, nobody bid. A Caldwell agent who hadn't read the letters told them in an email that they were being unnecessary forthcoming, basically telling them that because they do tell anyone who's interested in buying this house that there's letters coming in from this watcher, that they're not doing themselves any favors. But Derek and Maria didn't care. They wanted anyone who would possibly move in there to know what they were dealing with. They just didn't want the whole town to know. They didn't feel comfortable just giving the house to somebody without them knowing that there is a potential threat and a very real person that seems to be watching the home. Derek and Maria thought about what they would have done had the previous owners told them about the letters that they had received from the watcher. Sorry, the letter. The Woodses were both retired scientists and they told the Broadduses that they remembered the letter that they received as more strange than threatening, thanking them for taking care of the house and asking them for young blood. They did state that they never had any issues and that they never felt as though they were being watched. Andrea Woods even stated that they rarely ever even lock their doors. I don't care who you are, lock your fucking doors. If somebody close to you, like the one you love, can murder you in a crime of passion, then what makes you think your neighbor won't stroll in your house and slit your throat? I'm not trying to be dramatic, I'm being dead serious. I study this stuff for a living and you would be shocked at the shit that happens. So please, lock your fucking doors. The last thing I want to do is tell a case that revolves around you. On June 2nd, 2015, a year after buying 657 Boulevard, the Broadduses filed a legal complaint against the Woodses, arguing that the Woods should have disclosed this letter that they had just in fact received. The Broadduses say that they hope to reach a quiet settlement. Their kids still had no idea about the Watcher, and they wanted to keep it that way. Their lawyer assured them that, at most, a small legal newswire might pick up the story, but it wouldn't hit mainstream. However, that's not what happened. A local reporter had found the complaint, which included snippets of the Watcher's menacing threats. And after a belated attempt by the Broadduses to seal it, the story went viral. News trucks were camping out at 657 Boulevard and one local reporter even set up a lawn chair to conduct their very own watch. 
the Broadduses got more than 300 media requests. But with advice from a crisis management consultant referred by one of Derek's colleagues, they decided not to speak publicly to spare their children from even more attention. They vacated Westfield and went to a friend's beach house. Eventually, Derek and Maria sat down with their children to explain the real reason why they never moved in to their dream home. The kids had plenty of questions. Who is the Watcher? Where does this person live? Why is this person angry with us? And Derek and Maria had very little answers to give them. I mean, let's face it, can you imagine having this conversation with three young kids? I have a seven-year-old and sometimes it's just hard to explain normal things. I couldn't imagine having to explain that there was somebody watching my family in the house that we were supposed to move into, but never did. And to top it all on that, that this person was sending letters and they knew everyone's name and they were watching the kids. I don't know how they went about it, but they did their best. Basically, what they stated was, your town isn't as safe as you think, and there's a boogeyman that's obsessed with you. I mean, that's one way to tell your kids, but probably not the way that I would've. The identity of the watcher, still unknown. We all have our theories, you know, high school kids, who knows? So this watcher was sort of like this real-life mystery to solve. A commenter on NJ.com suggested ground-penetrating radar to find whatever the watcher claimed was in the walls. A home inspector, in fact, had already looked into it and told Derek the only issue was the aging home's lack of insulation. A group of Reddit users obsessed over Google Maps Street View, which showed a car parked out in front of 657. One user thought that it looked as though a man was holding a camera in the driver's seat. The range of proposed suspects included a jilted mistress, a spurned realtor, a local high schooler's creative writing project, marketing for a horror movie, and, as one said, quote, mall goths just having fun. Some people also thought that the Baratuses were wimps for not moving in. Somebody commented, I would never let this sicko stop me from moving into a house, never back down from a terrorist. Which, of course, pissed off the Broadduses, but whatever. A quote from Derek was, None of them read the letters or had their children threatened by someone they didn't know. To decide whether this person's only nuts enough to write these letters and not do something, what if something had happened? At this point in Westfield, people were on edge. Lori Clancy, who teaches piano lessons in her house behind 657 Boulevard, mentioned that one of her students came for a lesson shortly after news of the watcher broke, and she began crying. She was terrified to walk down the boulevard, Lori said. So nonetheless, the residents of the neighborhood are starting to feel the fear. The watcher was no longer just distressful for the Broadduses, but for the rest of the neighborhood as well. Mayor Andy Skibitsky assured the public that the watcher hadn't been heard from in a year, and that even though the police hadn't solved the case, their investigation had been exhaustive. This was news to 657 neighbors, most of whom had never heard from the cops. They were confused as how an investigation could have been conducted when nobody came to their home. In fact, several of the neighbors began writing to the local paper. So now, under the glare of national attention, Baron Chambliss, a veteran detective in the Westfield Police, was asked to look back into the case. 
Baron Chambliss knew his colleagues had looked closely into Michael Langford. According to his brother, Sandy Langford, Michael had been diagnosed with schizophrenia as a young man. So sometimes he spooked newcomers to the neighborhood when he did his often routinely strange things, like walk through their backyard or peek into a window of homes that were being renovated because he was curious about the new look. But those who knew him told him that though he did odd things and was a bit unusual, he was kind and mostly unharmless. Sorry, not unharmless, mostly harmless. Whoopsies. Words are tough, guys. Words are tough. According to the people who had known Michael for decades, they stated that he wasn't capable of writing those letters. It just didn't fit him. As Barron began looking deeper and deeper into the case, he discovered something surprising. Investigators had initially conducted a DNA analysis on one of the envelopes and determined that the DNA belonged to a woman. Barron decided to look more closely at Abby Langford. This was Michael's sister, and she was also a real estate agent. Was she possibly upset over missing out on the commission of that $1.3 million sale? Baron worked with somebody who worked with her, and they snagged her plastic water bottle after she finished it. However, the DNA was not a match. Not long after, the prosecutor's office gave Derek and Maria some unexpected news. They wouldn't say why or how, but they had ruled out the Langfords as suspects. Naturally, this stunned the Broadduses. They had just recently told prosecutors that they planned to file civil charges against the Langfords and wondered if the prosecutors were lying in order to prevent the story from blowing up all over again. So now, left without any suspect, the Broadduses reopened their personal investigation. They were still playing it coy and not sharing too much with their neighbors, who still remained in the pool of suspects. They did take one afternoon and walk the block with a picture of the watcher's handwritten envelope. They hoped someone might recognize the writing from a Christmas card, or some sort of other form of mail or kind correspondence. But the only notable encounter came when an older man who lived behind 657 said that his son joked that the watcher sounded a bit like him. A neighbor across the street was the CEO of Kroll. Kroll was the security firm and the Broadduses hired company to look for handwriting matches. They found nothing. They also hired Robert Leonard, a renowned forensic linguist and former member of the band Sha Na Na. However, he found nothing really noteworthy to overlap and didn't really have anything to show. Although he did think that the offer might watch Game of Thrones due to The Watcher, which he referenced could be related to Watchers on the Wall. At one point, Derek convinced a friend in the tech department to connect him to a hacker willing to try breaking into Wi-Fi networks, hoping that maybe he could find something incriminating on one of his neighbors. However, doing so turned out to be both illegal and more difficult than the movies make it seem. So they decided not to go through with it. Baron and the Westfield police were also back at square one. The cops asked Andrea Woods for a DNA sample and also interviewed her 21-year-old son, who was surprised to find that he suddenly seemed to be a suspect. Now, it was a year later, so it was hard to find any fresh and new leads. And the initial police canvas had been so porous that it had missed a significant clue. Around the same time that the Broadduses had received their first letter, another family on the boulevard got a similar note from the watcher. 
The parents of that family had lived in their home for years and their kids were grown. So they just tossed the letter away, just like the Woodses had. But after the news broke, one of their children posted about it on Facebook. They then quickly deleted the post. When investigators spoke to the family, they confirmed that the letter had been similar to that of the Broadduses, but its existence only made the case more confusing. One night, Baron and a partner who were sitting in the back of a van parked on the boulevard, watching the house through a pair of binoculars, roughly around 11 o'clock, a car stopped in front of the home long enough for Baron to grow suspicious. He states that he traced the car to a young woman in a nearby town, whose boyfriend lived on the same block as 657. The woman told Baron her boyfriend was into some really dark video games, including one that is known by a specific character, The Watcher. As far as the female DNA, Baron figured that the girlfriend or someone else could have possibly helped this kid. The boyfriend was living elsewhere at the time, but Baron says he agreed to come in for an interview on two separate occasions. However, he didn't show up either time. Baron didn't have enough evidence to compel him to appear, and with the media attention dying down, he ended up dropping the case and moved on. At this point, the Broadduses are continuing to be consumed by stress and fear, while the rest of Westfield just looked at it as a urban legend in reality. You know, a typical spooky house that your friends would dare you to walk up to on Halloween, if you're brave enough, because you may come face to face with the Watcher. It was hard for people to imagine that their idyllic neighborhood could be host to something so sinister. But sinister, it was. The theory, so far as it went, was that the Broadduses had possibly suffered buyer's remorse, or even realized that maybe they couldn't afford this home. This is when they concocted an elaborate scheme to get out of the sale. Or maybe Derek was cooking up some kind of insurance fraud to bank on. Or even maybe they were angling to get a movie from Hollywood. Now, the Broadduses did actually receive several offers, but turned every single one of them down. Lifetime did eventually release a movie called The Watcher, despite a cease and desist letter from the Broadduses, arguing that the couple in the movie was biracial and the letters were signed The Raven. So obviously, it wasn't them. Now, some locals found it noteworthy that over the course of a decade, some locals found it noteworthy that over the course of a decade, the Broadduses had upgraded from a $315,000 home to a $770,000 home, then to a $1.3 million one, and they refinanced all of their mortgages. A few weeks after the letters became public, the Westfield Leader published an article in which anonymous neighbors were quoted saying why the Broadduses kept renovating their home and why they weren't moving into it or even questioning whether they had really done that much renovating at all. The leader even cast doubt on Maria's commitment to her family's safety, citing as evidence that the fact that she had a public Facebook page with a photo of her kids. The paper, however, did not note that the police had tested Maria's DNA and that it also didn't match. In all truth, none of the theories made much logical sense. After all, the Broadduses had answers to every question. How does someone go from a $300,000 home to a 1.3 million home in 10 years? Derek's answer, it's America. But they weren't speaking publicly on any of the rumors. 
Not to mention, the Broadduses didn't know how the neighbors would react to the news of the Watcher, but they had lived on and off in the area for a decade, and Maria's family had been part of the community for much longer, so it was shocking to find themselves being accused of being some sort of con artist. To Derek, it seemed that some of Westfield preferred the conspiracy theory to considering whether or not somebody in their town was actually a menace. It stands to remain that the Broadduses were suddenly outcast, not only from their home, but also their town. Derek wanted to leave Westfield, but Maria insisted on not uprooting the kids. Two years after the Watcher's letters arrived, the Broadduses borrowed money from their family members to buy a second home in Westfield, using an LLC to keep the location private. But staying in town was extremely stressful. The first time she let her daughter go out with friends, she put a tracker on her daughter's phone, and she monitored it the whole time. She was really worried about the safety of her children, even though they chose to stay in that town. So many thought nobody would buy this house because of all that negative publicity with those threatening letters. But this morning, we know the family has finally gotten rid of it by taking a major financial loss. In the spring of 2016, the Broadduses put 657 back on the market, hoping that it might garner more interest given how many people had reacted to the letters. All of those who were saying they would have just ignored them and still moved in. The Broadduses held an open house after which Derek and Maria spent hours researching every person who signed in and comparing their handwriting to that of the Watcher, in hopes that maybe the Watcher walked right into that house. However, there weren't really any matches. And every time a potential buyer expressed interest, it was met with the Broadduses' lawyer reading the letters and they would back out. Feeling as if they were out of options, the Broaddus' real estate lawyer proceeded with an idea. Sell the house to a developer. They could then tear it down and split the property into two sellable homes. They thought they would get one million for the lot. Subdivisions like this had become common in Westfield, much to the complaint of many locals. And 657 was one of the neighborhood's largest lots. Even so, dividing it would require the Westfield Planning Board to grant an exception. The two smaller lots would be 67.4 and 67.6 feet wide, just shy of the mandated 70 feet. When the proposal was publicly announced, Westfield's Facebook group lit up. Some people expressed their sympathy for the Broadduses, while others pointed out that real estate is always a gamble. Another faction was convinced that this was the culmination of a long con. Quote, Out of this whole scam artist story, there ends up being nothing more disturbing than this move. Another person said that they were in over their heads from day one. Many people found it a bit strange that the Broadduses didn't share much information about their experience, not seeming to understand why they were following orders from the police and trying to protect their kids. I... I don't know. I feel as though they were trying to protect their kids and that's a smart thing to do. I don't know why anyone would get mad at them for wanting to keep their kids safe. When the planning board met to decide the application in January of 2017, it had already devoted a three-hour hearing to the issue. More than a hundred residents showed up. One of them, who lived across the street and had a daughter in the same age group as the Broaddus' kids, had retained a lawyer to fight the proposal. Here was a brand new suspect. 
who but the Watcher would go so far as to hire an attorney to preserve a house? Right? I don't know. James Frost, the Broadus' attorney, explained that their three-foot exemption was as narrow as an easel. He even explained this by showing a map of the neighborhood. A map that showed several lots on the block that were also too small. The neighbors expressed concern that their plan might require knocking down trees, and that the new homes would have aesthetically unpleasing front-facing gaps due to this. After the lawyers and a parade of neighbors stood to speak, Glenn Dumont from across the street said the proposal, quote, would spell the end of the 600 block of the boulevard as we know it. I could go on and on and tell you everything that the residents complained about and what they fought against when it came to this because the hearing lasted for hours, during which there was actually very little discussion of the reason the Broadduses had been driven to tear down their dream home in the first place. It was more so just neighbors bitching and complaining. At 11.30 p.m. that night, the board unanimously rejected the proposal. Of course, Maria and Derek were absolutely brokenhearted. Even if the plan had gone through, it would have only staunched their financial bleeding. On top of the mortgage and renovations, they had already also paid $100,000 in Westfield property taxes, and the town denied the request for relief. They also had spent at least $100,000 in investigating into the Watcher. So needless to say, they were drowning financially. Jersey family allegedly terrorized by creepy letters from someone named The Watcher has finally sold the house that started their nightmare. Derek and Maria Broadus bought this idyllic home in Westfield, New Jersey for $1.3 million back in 2014. But they say a stranger kept them from moving in by sending letters like this. I watch and wait for the day the young blood will be mine again. And I pass by many times a day. You know I will be watching. I've lived here my whole life, so... Yeah, it was a pretty, pretty big shocker. Now, five years later, the family's selling the property that they've never lived in, that has haunted them for years, taking a loss, selling it for $400,000 less than they paid for it. Not long after the planning board's decision, the Broadduses got some pretty good news. A family with grown children and two big dogs had agreed to rent 657 Boulevard. The renter told the Star-Ledger that he wasn't worried about the Watcher, though he had a clause in the lease that let him out in case of another letter. Which I think is really nice of the Broadduses to throw that in there. Like, hey, you can leave this lease if this guy starts harassing you. So let's all give them a high five. I high five the equipment. There you go. Two weeks later, Derek went to 657 to deal with a squirrel that had taken up residence in the roof. The renter handed him an envelope that had just arrived. Violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. This letter came two and a half years after the first Watcher letter. It was dated for February 13th the day the Broadduses gave depositions in their lawsuit against the Woodses. You wonder who the Watcher is. Turn around, idiots. The letter went on. Maybe you even spoke to me. One of those so-called neighbors who has no idea who the Watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and you are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. The letter was less stylish and more wrathful than the others. And it seemed the writer had been closely following the story. They had seen the media coverage, they knew all about Derek's investigation efforts, 
and even knew that they wanted to tear the house down. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the Boulevard follow my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the Watcher. Oh, the renter was also mentioned in this letter. And he was spooked but agreed to stay at the house. They also installed cameras to make the family feel safer. The letter did indicate that revenge could come in many forms. Quote, maybe a car accident, maybe a fire, maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. Loved ones suddenly die. Planes and cars and bicycles crash. Bones break. So it was just like they were at the beginning again. The Broadduses continued to press the case, but there still wasn't much that law enforcement could do or go on. It was possible to look up and down the street and see the Watcher in practically anybody. They may have had countless suspects, but they had no idea of who it was. After all, the Watcher could have been anybody, including someone they would never suspect. Now I'll give you guys an update about the Watcher house. This infamous house in Westfield, New Jersey was sold in July of 2019. Despite the former owners revealing that they had received all of those mysterious letters from someone claiming to be the Watcher, the house did end up selling. Our police department conducted an exhaustive investigation. Such efforts have not, however, yielded information leading to charges being filed. In an interview with New York Magazine last year, Derek comparing the ordeal to cancer, saying, we think about it every day. They wanted to get rid of the house because they knew it was going to be this burden. They knew they weren't going to move in. From there, the next thing they want more than anything is to know who did this. So guys, there is today's case, the infamous Watcher House. I'd love to know what you guys would do in this sort of situation. Like, let's say you do finally get your dream house, this $1 million home, you're so excited, and just a few days after you begin, you know, cleaning and renovating, you get a very eerie letter. A letter that describes somebody who is watching and stalking your every move, including your small children's. Would you stay and tough it out or would you leave like the Broadduses? I honestly don't know what I would do. I know I would do everything to keep my kids safe and make sure that nobody was ever hurt, which would most likely mean I would not move in. But I do have several guns in my house and I'm not that afraid. Anyways, I'd love to know what you guys would do in this situation, so send me an email at whattheactualeffharmony at gmail.com and let me know. Also, feel free to send me any cases or any stories, anything spooky, creepy, scary, all sorts of oddness to my email for me to look into. After all, this is what I do for a living, and I'm kind of obsessed with it. So guys, I hope you enjoyed this very eerie case about the Watcher, and maybe it'll make you think twice before buying a house. Like I said, I'm really sorry that I didn't make an episode last week, but I promise I will be here again next week, all to tell you a truly disturbing tale from around our world. So until next time, guys, stay safe, I love you, and go check your mail, because maybe the Watcher has reached out to you. Bye, guys. <laughs>